favorite movie of mine. It's called The Darkest Hour. It tells a story about World War II. Adolf Hitler, his powerful rampages across Europe. And the Prime Minister of England, Neville Chamberlain, is forced to resign, unable to deal with the imminent threat. The supposed follower of Chamberlain is Lord Halifax. He decides it's not time for him to be Prime Minister. And so it falls to Winston Churchill, who was the only one who could get the party's decision because of the opposition party, would agree with him. And so Churchill became the replacement. And the Prime Minister of England at the worst time in their history. Even in his early days as the country's leader, Churchill is under pressure to commence peace negotiations with Hitler or to fight head on the seemingly invincible Nazi regime, whatever the cost. However difficult and dangerous. His decision may be Churchill has no choice but to shine in the country's darkest hour. Now, Europe faced its darkest hour during a Churchill's administration, no doubt about that. Nevertheless, the darkest hour for England and the United Kingdom is nothing in comparison to the darkest hour of all of human history. And that is, of course, Jesus' crucifixion. The Gospel accounts of the crucifixion mention several statements made by the Lord Jesus. We saw one of which tonight as Jesus spoke to John and gave him care of Jesus' mother. As there are three statements made right at the point of Jesus' death. Matthew and Mark record the first one. Jesus said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? John tells us what we read this evening that Jesus, right before he died, said, It is finished. And Dr. Luke reports in the gospel that bears his name that Jesus said to the Father in a loud voice, into your hands I commit my spirit. Now those three final statements, I believe, coincide with three events surrounding the cross. First, the gospels tell us there was darkness covering the land. Secondly, the dividing of the veil of the temple from top to bottom. And then finally, the death, the actual death of the Lord Jesus. And I believe these three final statements relate to these three events that I mentioned this evening. And I would like to examine these events and statements 
for a few moments this evening as we ponder and reflect on the passion of our Lord. Number one, the darkness covering the land. And I believe this event coincides with Jesus' word, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? These are the most sorrowful words in all of sacred scripture. As the eternal Son of God, Jesus always enjoyed rich communion and the presence of the Father. On one occasion in the Gospel of John, Jesus told his disciples they would all desert him. But that he would not be alone because the Father was always with him. Nevertheless, now the unthinkable was happening. That is to say, Jesus was left alone, not by his disciples anymore, but by the Father, God Almighty. He withdrew for a time from the the Son. During the crucifixion, at approximately 12 noon, the Gospels tell us the third hour of the day, the Gospels say the darkness covered the land until the ninth hour, or 3 p.m., And this three-hour period of darkness must have been something like a a solar eclipse. You know, Jesus had spent three years telling the crowds, I am the light of the world. And now the light of the world was surrounded by and engulfed in three hours of darkness. It was a supernatural event. It seemed like the light of the world was fading and being extinguished. What did the darkness represent, along with the statement of Jesus, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Well, we have some clues in Scripture. On one occasion, Jesus described hell as the place of outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus also applied the figures of darkness to Satan's work through the religious leaders in Luke twenty-two fifty-three, 53. He said, while I was with you daily in the temple, you did not lay hands on me, but this hour and the power of darkness are yours. You see, all of this stood for the fact that Christ faced and absorbed the darkness of the full wrath of Almighty God against sin. He experienced the withdrawal of the Father as he laid down his life as an atoning sacrifice for sin. As a result, Christ experienced on the cross all the pangs of hell that were owed to you and me. I think it's a sad reality in church history, that we Christians spend far too much time discussing and debating whether or not Christ went to the place of hell. It doesn't matter. What we do know for certain is that Christ endured the pangs of hell. All that the Bible describes as everlasting torment and punishment for sin, Christ took your hell and 
my hell upon himself. In summary, Jesus was forsaken by the Father in the darkness of that time so we would never be forsaken by the Father, so that we would be forever joined to the Father and never face any kind of separation because of Jesus. He took our penalty upon himself. When we embrace him, he clothes us with his righteousness. And we become sons and daughters of God. The darkness covering the land and Jesus saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Won't mean anything to you unless the Spirit of God opens your heart and opens your eyes to your need and the fact that Jesus fulfilled what the Father demanded from you, which you could never furnish on your own. The darkness covered the land. Secondly, the dividing of the veil of the temple. I believe this event coincides with Jesus' statement, it is finished. It was a huge curtain inside of the temple. It was also inside of the tabernacle. And it separated what was called the holy place from the most holy place. And the most holy place was that forbidden location where the high priest entered once a year and spilt blood on the mercy seat on the Day of Atonement for the sins of himself and all the people. It was a sacred area and a holy area. And any unauthorized entry there or behavior there could lead to death. That's why the high priest wore bells on his robe. If they could hear him moving, they knew he was still alive and hadn't made a misstep. It was a place that demanded perfection. And it was done year by year by year because a perfect sacrifice could never be altered with the blood of bulls and goats and other animals. Well, the Bible makes it clear in the Gospels that this large curtain or veil was torn in two from top to bottom. At the time of Jesus' death, it was clear that this was a symbol that there would no longer be an obstacle, a veil. There would no longer be anything between a holy God and sinful people. Because the sacrifice was made. And that's why the curtain was torn from top to bottom. To make it abundantly clear that the Father is the one who tore this curtain. That the Father is the one who made the payment of his own Son for human sin. It is the Father who is the one himself who has removed the veil. And has made a way for you and me to enter the most holy place cause of the blood of Jesus. The sacrifice of Christ created the entrance into the presence of God for all sinners. And that's why Jesus said, it is finished. There would no longer be a need for sacrifices because his perfect sacrifice paid the penalty for sin once and 
for all. As a writer of Hebrews says, his sacrifice was so perfect. Not only did it satisfy the Father's demands for righteousness, but it is the only sacrifice that can supernaturally cleanse our conscience from dead works in order to serve the living God. Christ's righteous life and atoning death paved the way for you and me to enter the presence of God as his adopted children, and all of it based on the merits of Jesus alone, apart from anything else. Well, we have the darkness over the land. Jesus saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We have the dividing of the veil of the temple. Jesus saying, it is finished. Finally, we have the death of Jesus. I believe this event coincides with Jesus' statement only in Luke. Chapter 23, verse 46, into your hands I commit my spirit. Both Matthew and Mark uttered that Jesus made a loud cry and breathed his last. What they don't say is what he said. Only Luke tells us, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Now, one would think from a human perspective, with all the misery that Christ went through on the cross, did he still have to die? Jesus suffered as an atoning sacrifice for human sin on the cross, but it was not enough. He suffered the full separation from the Father on the cross, but it was not enough. Jesus suffered the full wrath of God on the cross for human sin, but it was not enough. Jesus suffered the pains and the miseries of hell, but it was not enough. What remained? Jesus had to die. The prophet Ezekiel said many years before this time, the soul that sins must surely die. And Paul would tell us later in Romans 6, the wages of sin is death. And Jesus' death would fulfill God's holy demand for justice. It wasn't enough that he suffered. He had to die. All seemed hopeless at this point. Nevertheless, when all hope seemed lost, we find a ray of hope in Jesus' final words. Jesus came from the Father, and now he is going back to the Father. His mission would be accomplished. And see, humanly speaking, this is the darkest hour. But the Gospels also tell us it is a time when Jesus turned back to the Father. The Father who had forsaken him for a time earlier. Now, he says, into your hands I commit my spirit. Jesus gave his body on the cross. He gave his spirit and soul back to the Father. And so from the Father's vantage point from beginning to end, he brought about a great, great salvation. See, this would be the darkest hour, but for the hope, but for the hope that is available.
Because we can see in all of this, in spite of what we can hardly interpret and understand, that the Father from beginning to end was orchestrating this on your behalf and mine. And that hope, that hope as Jesus breathed his last and went to be with the Father, has had an impact on countless millions of people. Even in one of the Gospels, there was a Roman centurion, by all accounts, I'm sure a pagan man, who saw all of this and who heard all of this and said, truly, this must be the Son of God. How about you? There's no amount of cajoling, no amount of persuading that any minister can bring about to change the human heart. The Spirit of God has to open closed hearts and blind eyes that we might see the beauty of the passion of Christ so that we can say not that just Jesus died for sinners but that Jesus died for me.